Thank you for listening to the following film's podcast. Conceived and curated entirely on the popular audio-based social media platform Clubhouse and produced by Screen Anthology. Symphony, a Clubhouse horror anthology, features a group of international filmmakers, each exploring a character dealing with a tragedy caused by a supernatural entity. Today I'm joined by Haley Bishop and Kimberly Elizabeth to discuss their contributions to Symphony. Haley directed Forever Young, which is a film about a 30-year-old woman who, in a desperate attempt to preserve her youth, engages in a social media dance craze that may have dire consequences. Then Kimberly Elizabeth was the director of Do Us Part, which is, in my estimation, the most romantic of all the films in Symphony, and is about a recently separated couple who comes to terms with the fact that one of them may be a ghost. I had a great time chatting with Haley as well as Kimberly, and definitely recommend you check out the film when it hits VOD this Friday. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Haley, thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Christopher. Thank you. Um, So the first thing that I was floored by with this film was how consistent all of the entries in this particular anthology are. I love horror anthologies, um, but there's almost always inevitably one or two that you're just, why did they include that one in it? And the batting average on this one is really, really high. I think that you have an overall, you're surrounded by really good films here. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, that's very nice to hear because you just, you know, we think that, but it's always, uh, it's now that it's coming out into the world. Uh, and obviously, I don't know if you know the story behind how the film came together, but it was a real like gamble in a way that um, the Seb and Michael from Screen Anthology, you know, that they took a chance on all of us. Um, they didn't even, you know, we're all strangers from the beginning. So for them to get um, all nine of our films back and actually they're all good. <laughs> They're all, you know, like it, it is is very lucky. I think they did. I will also say Seven Mike are great about um, they did cut a few films that maybe didn't make uh, they didn't reach the challenge. Um, so to, for just the betterment of the project as a whole. So that's very nice to hear. I'll make sure that I pass the compliments on. The thing that I really love about these films also is that you get to discover new filmmakers uh, for somebody who's always keeping their eye out for somebody who's doing interesting work. And your film is really, really fun. I think it really captures the, as a 46-year-old, I remember very clearly when I was still holding on to the idea that I was young. I've given up on that years ago. So, but the idea, so that's way in my past at this point. But the idea of turning 30 and you're having these pseudo-adult conversations, which I still in my mind kind of roll my eyes at in the back of my head. I'm like, how am I here? I feel like such a phony when people are talking about the mortgage rates and things like that. And it just feels so false. And I think you captured that so beautifully. Thank you so much. It's uh, it's so nice to hear that it's going over well. Um, hi, Kimmy. Hello. And kind of reaching uh, into everybody's nostalgia pocket, but also um, we're all, I think it's a thing where I was asked actually recently um, with some of my aunts who I, you know, remember as being a young child and thinking, oh my gosh, they're so, you know, at their weddings when they are getting married at like 28 and thinking, wow, it's, I can't wait to be 28 and 29. They're so old. And then I've reached that age and kind of gone like, oh no, that's not old at all wait, what's going on? Why are we why, like, and having the friends now that are buying houses and, and moving one step forward with their lives, but also we like to still go out and 
you, it's that weird transition that you're you're not quite sure which foot you, if you belong in the party train or if you belong on the buy a couch and a really nice rug train and uh, <laughs> and you try straddling the line there um so it's I'm glad it's starting to hit for for a lot of people that that same sort of like pang in their insides um but yeah it's just a it's a I kind of watch it sometimes and just laugh at the the cringy silliness um of it still because it feels I like you like I I I feel the same where I'm like I'm not I'm not going out every night anymore but but I don't want to like I don't feel like I should be just settling down and looking at interest rates either. Well, I think that I I'm, I'm going to feel the, this way my entire life that yeah. I will always feel like an imposter in a room full of adults that it just feel I mean I still have dolls in the back here. And so it's just I, I that disconnect that I have I've always felt like never exactly aligned with most of my peers i guess that and i guess that's why i was attracted to horror films and these things it's this people that are kind of outsiders trying to find their home and that's something that i i've just come to terms with now you know because i i'm certainly at the point now where i have more days behind me than in front of me you know at 46 i don't see myself getting to 100 i don't, I don't see that <laughs> happening but um yeah it's just i i think that there's a danger in sort of putting up youth on a pedestal to the yeah. point where you look at it and say this is something that we need to all aspire to be young, to look young, to have that. But there's something in growing older and w- having wisdom and having the realize that, you know, with me and my wife being married for 14 years now and seeing like as the aesthetics start to just drip away and fall apart, that our, our love for each other just growing. And it's all these things that get much deeper and more personal that I wouldn't go back to being a teenager for any amount of money in the world. I wouldn't go back to my 20s for any amount of money. In the oh, world. and I think that's most people. I think actually the the it's not something I've really expanded on in the short as much, but like in the feature version in my head, it's like the the re, the reality of youth and or the uh, not the reality, sorry, the the lies of youth is that that's the best time of your life and I've comfortably had way more fun as I've gotten older. And I think most people actually, if you ask them, they would have the similar response to you that you're much happier being married for 14 years than going back to being, you know, a young 20 year old who's single and scouring the bars. It's like, I think there's just this, I actually, I know what it is, is that uh, the capitalistic society is trying to sell us products. And if we don't, if we're not comfortable with being older, then we wouldn't buy as many things to stay young. Uh, and and then society would crumble. So. <laughs> That's really what it is. It's a statement on capitalism. Absolutely. And uh, Kimberly, I both these films, this just worked out so well because I was in, I w- it's one of those things where I was interested in both of your bodies of work so far, where you had things that I was interested in that I wanted to talk to you about, but then you both did this magic trick where it was just, and I, Kimberly, as somebody who interviews people, you know that when you have somebody that shows up on your radar that you can talk to this person about their new project. You go, well, that's just an excuse to talk about this thing I love already. So I'll take it. Whatever it is, I'll just jump on it. <laughs> oh, thanks so, so much. <laughs> and so that's what I was going for with this. It was just that because I've listened to your podcast and obviously I love host. And so I was just going back through these things, but then I saw both of your films and just throw all that out the window. It doesn't matter because I was just floored by both these. And they're to me, the two funniest films in there. Um, And in fact, watching your film, Kimberly with my wife, it was something that felt like a mirror of so many elements of our relationship of our absolutely just if, in our private moments relationship that if we talk about it, people are like, you guys are wrong. Something is not okay with you. But it felt like I saw this as a weirdly romantic film. 
in my estimation. Thank you. That was that was my uh, my attempt. But it's so funny you say that because um, I mean, if you're a fan of Nightmare on Film Street, you know I do it with my husband John. Yeah. And since people have been seeing the movies, they've been warning him. <laughs> Like, be careful if she goes before you because she's going to bring you down with her. And I'm like, it's not that biopic. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> it's that idea of just the the bond that you have with somebody and that that will transcend time. And it's it's kind of like if you if you watch Gone Girl, you can see the idea of that there is an element to that of people that make each other better than their actual selves left to our own devices that were kind of horrible broken people but when we get with the right person it makes us want to be better and so yeah no this is my i I found the person that i want to make it to the end with and if that means that i happen if she happens to go before me i know she would take me down with her so i fully (laughs) see that happening that's true love yeah that's the thing about horror too is that like yes i wanted to explore you know grief and relationships and and that kind of eternal love but like what if we explored grief from the perspective of the ghost, the person that's dead? Because I don't know, there's it, a, a relationship, like a true love, like that's so strong that should transcend death. And I like, I'm not going to get into values or anything because um, I consider myself pretty skeptic about everything. So I don't necessarily think there's a whole lot afterwards, but I mean, what if? <laughs> yeah. And well, and even on the practical level of being with somebody and not being heard, I think there's a, a sub, the text of the film, you know, it's opening up with the Alexa app. And I don't know if there's anything more infuriating than you're trying to get Alexa to respond to you. And then your partner just walks in and it immediately works for them. And it, that's just one of those little moments. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm definitely on board with this. Yeah, that kind of spawned from just the idea of like, what if you're haunting a house in modern day and you're alone in the house and like something happens, Alexa goes off and you can't turn it off and you just have to deal with whatever music Alexa's playing. Or I, I just thought like, what is a modern day haunting and what does that look like um, for a ghost who can't control modern day devices? And it works beautifully. It, it absolutely does. Both of your films also um, were ones that I wanted to see more of where i think there's there's a lot of short film short horror films that work as a punchline and both these do but i think there's bigger themes that you're talking about here that could absolutely be explored in a much longer format and Haley, especially with the (laughs) your film just the idea that you're talking about this aging it's something so i think important to discuss and to think about and to think about in a way that's not preachy um that shows kind of the danger of this idea I, i think is really quite beautiful and you pulled off what looks like a really ridiculous dance to me that they all look ridiculous to me. So I have no idea if that's real or not. So it it was a special choreographed dance for the film specifically that my, my friend Brian is a choreographer here. And I asked him to create something that looked like a cringy over sexual TikTok dance. And he did, I think he delivered that in like 20 minutes and he was like, is this it? And I was like, perfect. <laughs> and it, and then it's, it's like the girls do it well. And then I had to, uh, I learned it as you know as much as I could, and then made sure that I wasn't amazing at it, which is just how it would have been anyway. Um, but it was, yeah, it was really fun. Kind of just it, all of it's a bit silly in a sense, but then it's also I think the the film has a bit of a like the the short maybe doesn't showcase it as much because obviously time limits, but like a bit of element of like the dangers of social media and this like you know yearning for a time gone by, but actually 
you should just be looking forward um, and staying in present day and, and at what's going to actually like, because your memory of the past can either, you know, sometimes it's good, but I think a lot of us look at it with rose colored glasses uh, and and act, what was actually happening was was maybe not the best and, and not great. Or on the contrary, if you're like, oh, that time, like I look at the 2000s and think I, you know, the my childhood was ruined by being sequestered into this fashion trends that would did not fit my body and you know being a young woman at that time there's a lot of uh, dark things that were being projected at us and influencing our our psyches uh, that I you know I think many of us have taken years of therapy to get over and uh, <laughs> so now it's kind of fun to go back and make fun of it and and to kind of put a lens on it to be like this wasn't a nice thing that we like, you know, we, we had to deal with at the time, which is, I mean, I think Kimmy and I can, you know, both say like the, the line between comedy and horror is, is really thin. Like, you know, you can go from laughing to crying so quickly that um, it works so well. Comedy does with the horror genre because you can kind of take people on this ride and then quickly switch into one genre or the other. Um, I love do us part for that where it's, you know, it has its moments that, that are so sinister but then it's but then it's lighthearted suddenly and you kind of just don't know which do you laugh do you cry what's what's the emotion and I like going on that roller coaster yeah I totally agree about comedy and horror like they're the two almost like referential genres and that they both can't exist without you like holding a mirror at the audience they need um something there to resonate with with comedy you know it's observation with horror it's it's also observation it's about you know the current state of affairs or what people are going through or personal journeys like the traumas that people have gone through and um i think comedy and horror are the only genres that do that it's really interesting i hadn't thought about it in that way from the point of view of observation being absolutely key to both of those and why and i think that that's probably why so many horror comedies fail in a lot of ways where they switch that gear without moving from an observational where it becomes very um, subjective instead of objective at that point where it's like, okay, here's the thing that I knew how to do comedy. Now I'm going to put in the horror and I'm going to just, because now I'm just going to do this thing that I know will scare you because it looks like something that's scary, but it has no weight. It has no impact Mm -hmm. or vice versa. Now we'll do something very broad and it won't work. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's something that there's that, there's a desire to do those, but I don't know how frequent it's really successful. Some of my favorite films are just ones that take all genres, macerate the hell out of them and make something that's completely their own, which is, you know, one of those reasons why I think that maybe something like the new Halloween movie really works for me in a way that a lot of people are pushing against because it feels like it's just saying everything in the past, this is my thing. I'm making this now. And I feel that from both of your films that you're doing something that feels very, I can feel a point of view in both of these very much. And I'm wondering um, what's going to happen next for both of you? Because I'm I'm on board. I want more. I'm a greedy American consumer, and I get a taste, and I want more. <laughs> I mean, that's the hope. That's the dream, right? Uh, we'll know on on uh, on Friday in the following weeks. Hopefully, you know, Symphony goes the way of Terrifier Two, right? Terrifier Two is just going crazy right now. Weird. So. It, it it is the season for independent horror and original IP. So I would love to expand symp- uh, Symphony, all of the shorts, all of the segments. I'd love to see Do Us Part. I would love to see more Forever Young. I I I want those stories too because there is actually so much in each of them. 
Look at something. Was it the innkeeper? Not the innkeepers. That's the uh, Thai West, the keeper or whatever. The one that has the family that's in that one. I mean, that's just just beautiful tragedy that could easily be told over the course of 90 minutes. I, that's a story that I think is, you know, absolutely. And this is what me and Haley were talking about before we jumped on, just that you're surrounded by really good films here that a lot of anthologies have just those dead moments and spots that you're kind of checking the clock a few minutes in. Okay, when am I going to get out of this one? But I never felt that in this film. And I think that just the measure of quality here is really high throughout. Well, I think, too, um, it should be said that uh, we, as we were kind of making the films, um, Seb and, and Mike from Screen Anthology did say to all of us, look, the kind of the point of making this as a horror anthology is to then hopefully try and expand them or to to make something that can then be expandable, that can then be you know, have a bit more of a commercial because short films, we all know, don't make, uh, you know, you don't make returns on short films and there really are for the filmmakers. And so we've all been given this amazing opportunity to have our short film actually seen within the caveat that they are all kind of expandable to be featured. So I think everybody has the feature idea in their head um, and whether it's being written right now or it's it's going to be written hopefully shortly in the future. And like Kimmy says, fingers crossed that on. Friday, it uh, gives us a real caveat to make the features. Um, but it's it's kind of a thing that we were all enabled from Screen Anthology to to take this um, short and and make it bigger um, just by the nature of how the project came together. Is that the same for you, Kim? Is that something, Kimberly, that you would want to do with this next Expand This, or do you have a different story you would like to jump on if you have the chance to do a feature? Um I mean, I'll take any opportunity that comes my way. I will never say no, but uh, I do have a feature for uh, Do Us Part, but I've been writing screenwriting um, kind of on the side of my podcast, Nightmare on Film Street, for the past few years. So I have a few projects in the works and uh, a short that I'm going to be working on in the spring that I'm really excited for. But um, they're all in that same vein of just like comedy, horror, don't know what it is. Just I, I just purge weird genre stuff, I think. <laughs> That, that's right up my alley. Anything that's like that, I'm I'm on board for. So are you going to say something, Haley? I feel like I jumped in. I was going to say it's probably just a sign of the times where we're all kind of living in like, it is a horror world out there, but you got to laugh at it. So it like helps, you know, life imitating art a bit. It helps to 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 find find the balance, I think, between both. Um, and they both support each other really well. Uh, so, you know, things can be funny and then they can be horrible and that's just life as it goes. So it's nice to to have that stuff going on in your head, I guess. Well, I've never found a moment where there hasn't been some laughter. There's been some, especially the most tense moments, the hardest moments. They're often, you go to a funeral and people that knew the person well will kind of go off in the corner and they'll start, you know, sharing stories and they'll laugh and they'll find those moments. And, you know, it's when you have a distance from something, when you're not truly experiencing it, that you get very righteous in your beliefs on something. I think when you are very close to something is when you can find the humor in it. And then um, that's why that I, to me, humor should be injected in every, everything, no matter how serious the topic is. Cause that's part of humanity is finding the valve release. Cause you have to, I mean, I knew during the pandemic being a father of two children, you know, we're 12 and six, that this is a really rough time we were going through. But at the same time, I knew that I was getting to spend this time with my kids that I would never have had otherwise, that I had essentially three years of stolen time with my family, these really crucial years, and I got to see them. And I knew, even while it was happening, that years from now, I would look back at this with those rose-colored glasses that you were talking about and maybe ignore 
some of the realities of it and look back and say, man, remember when we used to all hang out and play life every night? And that's not the reality of it. It's not what it was like, but there were these moments that felt very extended and quite beautiful at the time. Sorry, I've had that kind of running through the back of my head since you said that idea of looking back. So, oh yeah. but this is a, I'm really excited for people to start talking about this film. This is one of those ones that I wish I had seen in a theater because I wanted to just start having conversations with the people in the lobby about, you know, which ones were the ones that you that connected with them and uh, what are the ones they like, were the ones that didn't work for you, why, and kind of what, you know, what would you have done? Those kinds of conversations that the horror community just completely embraces on every detail of every film. And I think they're really going to jump on this one because there's, there's a need for a film like this for sure. Uh, the horror community is so great in that way that unlike any other genre, and I honestly, I think that's why horror has been so successful lately and now and in this world is that there's a real grassroots nature of it. Um, there feel there feels like a human behind the camera, whereas most modern cinema now is all corporate driven. The stories are based on algorithms and what worked before and, and change it, but only a little bit. So uh, I feel like there's a real desperate want for new and original stories. And I think that, um, and I'm, I'm sure Haley will agree that we've been given such a unique opportunity to be able to have a voice in this space. And um, just to, to say like all of these new filmmakers are coming out at the same time, it's a really unique opportunity. And oh, yeah. Wait, oh. sorry. No, 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 no. I, I was just going to say that it's just the embracing of outsider voices, underheard voices in the horror community is something you don't see. And I'm sorry to say that while I'm stepping over something. That's no, such a not at shitty all. thing. It's not at all. No, it's, 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 a, it's a good conversation is happening. Um, I was just going to say, I completely agree with Kimmy that the, the, the horror community, especially, I think is, is a really uh, nice group of people, obviously millions and millions of people, but um, there's a real common ground that like people can, like the discussions that get to happen um, are different than I think when it comes down to like, you know, Marvel, Marvels and the, you know, the James Bonds and the whatnot, the franchises that seem to keep just coming and coming and coming. And exactly like Kimmy is saying that there's now this need and this want for, um, for fresh ideas and in interesting ways. And I think that's like just horror in general is, the, the, at the base level, just try and scare me. And then anything else can be whatever you want. And and that really opens up for a lot of creativity. Um, and the more creative you can be, and it seems like that, then you get rewarded for that rather than trying to stay in the box. So I think it's it's a really good breeding ground for, for young and new filmmakers, not always young, who's young, <laughs> but for new filmmakers or for filmmakers who have, wouldn't normally get the opportunity. Because I mean, I know for a fact that you know, I, the horror is given, the genre has been given me everything in the last few years um, to to push my career forward in a way that nothing else was kind of giving me that leg up. And I think that can be said for a lot of, like, if you really look at even most filmmakers and you go back to their first film, it was a horror film. Like nine times out of 10, it was, it was a genre horror film. And that really says something. Yeah, like well, as a budding horror, uh, as a budding filmmaker, name another genre that you can have uh, like no name stars. You can have, you know, no budget, and it could be seen by there's it's limitless. Like look at movies like Paranormal Activity and like The Blair Witch Project. Like they cost nothing. They had no one, and they just you know they exploded on word of mouth and just you know actually having something to say, something original, and something new. Oh, absolutely. Look at Smile. It's out right now. That was supposed to be a direct to 
Paramount or whichever streaming service it was going to be. And then they realized they had something when they started test screening it and saw they should maybe do it. And that thing was a huge hit. And it's such a fun theater experience. Sorry to jump over no, you. No, no, no. Horror, horror movies. I'm, I'm just like such a horror fan. So I'm like, let's talk about how great horror is. <laughs> but horror movies are such a great theater experience. Like if there's yes. anything I missed in the during the pandemic, it was sitting in a movie theater and reacting to movies with other people. And Smile was such a great example because it, it's a straight horror movie through and through. It's got those jump scares. It's got those moments. And and me being, you know, like this 30-year-old cold hard horror fan can sit next to a bunch of teenagers and hear them scream and laugh and have all of that fun. And I can kind of live through them a little bit. Oh, for sure. Because, I mean, horror and comedy, those are the things that are absolute communal experiences where I think being around people and experiencing that together and feeling that energy of the room is something that just it, you lose something when you do that at home. And that's one of the reasons that I go back to horror. It's I have to see horror in the theater to me. It's just, it's so much, you do a disservice by watching it by yourself in the middle of the night. I mean, seen plenty that way and love them all, but it's just, I, I really think there's something there that kind of ups the ante of it, you know, and the fact that you look at what's going on right now, Barbarian and Smile are in the theater at the same time. And Barbarian for a mainstream movie with a budget like that, which I know is micro on the, you know, 3000 screen level, but that's a pretty bold swing of a movie. Some of the things that happen in that movie are just bananas. And I'm all for that. What a fun ride. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And, and I think that just to kind of pull that back to that idea of these outsider voices that you get in horror, I think that if you have one thing in horror movies that, an audience, the horror community will be very forgiving of it. They have one thing that they can hang their hat on. It's just that, but you need to see this one scene. You need to see this one kill. You need to see this one location, this one thing. You'll put up with all the shit in the world. You'll put up with bad production design, bad lighting, bad acting, bad music. But there's one thing in here that you can see. There's a spark of something really cool. And it's and we'll share it for you know decades to come if it has that one thing that's truly original. And that's something that allows artists to kind of you know, to get their muscle memory and to build strength and to really get prepared for those next films. And I, yeah, I, it's, I think it's that it's the, it's the probably to me, the purest genre in that sense, where it's the most forgiving and the most representative of really what humanity is like, because it's ugly. It's has warts. It's not polished. It's not perfect. It's you're going to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. You're going to get it all out of order and out of context and, or represents that intentionally and unintentionally all the time. I, I think too, as a as a screenwriter, it's it's such a thing that like it really comes down to the script, and like you just need a pretty decent, you need an interesting script, and that's kind of everything else is a bonus. And I think there's a lot in the film industry where the script is the last thing considered, and we actually do, you know, nowadays they do they try and get the biggest star or the most CGI or the craziest this or that. And actually they just don't look at the story needs to be interesting and, you know, hit the the points that it needs to hit. And I think with a lot of horror films, the script comes first and the other stuff comes second. And that's why there is such a, like one, you can, like you're saying, like you can have these great films that like, maybe they don't have the highest production value as a, you know, $10 million budget, but they are fun to watch and they make you feel something. Um, whether it is just that release of screaming because you've been scared or, 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 you know, gets to go deeper than that because it's actually a family drama that's layered underneath. Um, I, you can kind of find that encompasses everything in within the genre, which is, which not many others can, can do. Absolutely. 
Well, I know we're over the amount of time that we had for today, but I just want to thank you both for taking the time to do this. And I'm so excited for people to see Symphony because this is a it's a fun movie. And I think there's a lot of really exciting filmmakers, both of you included, that I think people are going to follow from this one going forward. So I'm just, again, want to see more. And thank you for taking the time to do this today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. (laughs) One last thing, Kimberly, um, they need to release um, Halloween 5 the Haddonfield Drift edition. I, I <laughs> just hung on to that. And I rarely laugh out loud at things like that. But that just, yeah, that was probably one of my favorite things I've heard in quite some time. He drives so much in that movie. <laughs> Absurd. <laughs> That's awesome. amazing. Thank you, guys. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Time enough to figure you out Time enough to write this down Wish me luck, give me hope
voice crack.